eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the State of Recruiting, a weekly Longhorn Recruiting podcast brought to you by Orange 247. I am Mike Roach, a recruiting editor for Orange 247, and I'm joined, uh, as always, on Fridays by Nick Harris. Nick, uh, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is going to be a one-episode week. Bobby was out earlier this week, so we're going to ca- kind of jam both episodes into one here and give you a little more. Usually Friday's reserved for just the mailbag, but we did want to talk about some things going on this weekend um, in Austin and in Houston that Nick will be a part of. So uh, without further ado, let's jump right into it. Um, Texas will host their first group of visitors this weekend um, for for basically for the first time since the dead period is lifted. Uh, they elected, uh, you know, the dead period lifted last Sunday. I think Texas elected not to have a rushed half-day visit, um, and you can argue the merits of that or not. I think a lot of schools were able to get kids on campus. Some were able to generate commitments out of it, um, but Texas, you know, decided to kind of sit back and, and kind of keep their powder dry, so um, they're going to be bringing in a big group this week, uh, and the biggest news, and we, we actually confirmed it late last night on Thursday, was that Alito wide receiver JoJo Earl will be making it uh, into town. Earl, of course, cut Texas from his list of schools um, in January. I think somebody said, I've really got to get to following him on Instagram, by the way, because apparently that's where he drops all of his top schools. Um, Somebody said last night that he dropped a top school list of uh, like three on Instagram. But Texas getting him back on campus is huge because, um, you know, they've always been a school JoJo liked. And there were at least whispers at some point last fall that um, that that he was maybe even leaning towards Texas. So maybe if they can get him back on campus, can get back into the race. Um, you know, things change there. Uh, Nick, what have you seen from, from Jojo Earl as a player in your time covering him? Yeah, Jojo's one of the best wide receivers, hands down, in the 2021 class, not just in Texas, but uh, around the country. Uh, you saw that in the um, state championship against Fort Bend Marshall this past year. Uh, he's just a big time weapon for Alito, and he can. He's just going to be a big time slot threat for uh, anybody that ends up with him. He's got top end speed. Uh, if you go to his huddle, I believe it's the third or fourth play. There's a play on the sideline. He's coming up the left sideline, and there's probably three guys that are trying to cut him off on the sideline. And he makes a quick move and makes a dash to the corner of the end zone. And it's just it's stupid how quick he is, and he he's going to be a threat for whoever lands him. 
not only that, I think his route running is at a level that you don't see at the high school, um, in high school. Yes. I think that he, he, he runs such precise routes that he maximizes his athleticism because he's creating extra separation with his routes and then can then, you know, push in that quickness and elite speed hands. You know, he's kind of got it all. And, you know, you mentioned the state title game against Fort Ben Marshall. I, I would say watch both state title games against Fort Ben Marshall. And, and Earl was a big time player in both those games. Yeah, I agree. Um, another big uh, there's a big group of Florida kids coming in. Um, South Florida Express will be in uh, in town to play in a seven on seven tournament. We'll have more on that later. But uh, they're basically the big uh, big seven on seven team in the state of Florida, and they're bringing some some big time names with them, um, including uh, Braylon Brown from from Chaminade Madonna Prep in Hollywood, Florida, uh, Agi Hall from Bradenton's IMG Academy, Mario Williams from Plant City is one of the most electric kids I've ever seen. I saw him last year at the uh, Prime Twenty One camp, um, and he was fantastic. Uh, Nick, uh, they've also got a couple guys: Bryce Langston, a defensive end from Ocala uh, Vanguard. Uh, and Robert Simmons from Jacksonville Sandalwood, and they're bringing a 2023 uh, named Brandon Ennis, and we're already talking about 23s, but uh, this kid's got 18 offers as a 23. So obviously some huge talent. Nick, just kind of talk about some of the guys you know uh, from that group that you've seen. Yeah, and another guy coming in this group, Troy Stilato, I think we're both pretty big on him and pretty high on him. Um, he, he's just an electric wide receiver um, that I think can get it done at the next level for sure. Uh, Mario Williams, he's been kind of trending towards uh, OU. So um, I, I think there's a want for him to come out this way. And uh, he's definitely open to the Big 12. So uh, I think this is a guy that, uh, you know, Texas can get on campus. Um, maybe he likes Austin and maybe his recruitment starts kind of uh, swaying a little bit this way. So uh, I think that's a name we could look at next week and uh, – see where he stands. Uh, Aguille Hall, uh, one of the best wide receivers in the country. Uh, he did put out a top school list, uh, I guess it was about a month or two ago. It didn't include Texas, but uh, obviously getting him on campus is really important uh, for those kinds of things. So uh, I'm just curious to see uh, which guys really like to visit on uh, Monday and um, come out with uh, Texas high on their lists. Yeah, let's uh, focus on Stilato and Williams um, in particular. So Stilato is a guy that when I've been asked, hey, which out-of-state guy should we get serious about? I said, I think Troy Stilato could be a, that type of guy. You know, in talking to him, it sounds like he's, um, you know, high on Texas, or at least high on Mike Yersich, who was recruiting him at Ohio State. Um, wanted to see Texas, is obviously making a visit the first weekend he can. That's a guy that, that right now Ohio State holds the crystal ball lead, and, and if Ohio State leads for a wide receiver, that's something to take very seriously. But I would say that right now um, Texas could make a move in that recruitment and become a player, I think, after this weekend, depending on how things go. With Mario Williams, um, you know, it's clear he likes Oklahoma a lot. Obviously, they spread the ball around. So the Big 12 would be a school, uh, you know, a program or I'm sorry, a conference where he feels that he can, you know, he's a five foot ten, one 165 pound receiver. That's kind of how they fit in the Big 12 and uh, electric speed, electric athletic ability. Uh, from what I've been told, he's been in constant contact with Texas. So even though Oklahoma has the, you know, the perceived lead, and I think Oklahoma probably does have the the real lead, uh, Williams has not, you know, has been talking with Texas for quite a while. From what I know, he's got a, a close relationship with with Brian Carrington um, and and some of the offensive staff as well. So definitely two names to watch. Uh, one other name I wanted to throw out there um, was. Uh, 
Amarian Cooper, uh, a cornerback from Lehigh, Florida, who's actually not coming in with South Florida Express. He plays with Deion Sanders' uh, prime truth team, uh, but is a guy that Texas is, is looking at and bringing in. And then 2022 safety, uh, Brian Allen Jr. from Alito, uh, JoJo Earl's teammate, a guy that Nick jumped out to us huge in the playoffs this year. Yeah, we really like Brian Allen. Um, I can't remember if we saw Alito once or twice in the playoffs, but uh, I have seen Alito twice in the past year, and Brian Allen's making big-time plays in the secondary almost every play as a sophomore last year. Uh, six foot, 183 pounds, but uh, he's got top-end speed as well. Um, and he was a real fit for uh, Malik Hornsby's offense in that state title game as well. Yeah, you know, you talk about his speed. There were several plays where he ran down angles on Malik Hornsby and Devonna Chain, who were two of the fastest players in the state of Texas last year um, in the state title game. It's just a sophomore at Alito, six foot one eighty three, great size. Um, I mean, twenty twenty two is already putting together. The, like the the way we talked about the offensive line class in twenty one and how deep and, and ridiculous it is. That's what the DB group is going to be in twenty two. I mean, there are dudes for days, and, and Brian Allen takes a backseat to nobody at the safety position so far. Uh, Texas offered a few weeks ago. Uh, they're getting him on campus, and, and he seems to really like Texas. So that's a guy they can maybe get in early with and, and really try to generate some some positive momentum. Um, Nick, you are – I mentioned seven-on-seven seven tournaments. It seems there are a couple going on this weekend. Uh, you are going down to Houston. Why don't you kind of tell us about uh, what you're going to see? Yeah, and uh, I guess tomorrow now, Saturday is coming. Um, I'm going to be at the end zone tournament in the Woodlands. Um, a lot of out-of-state talent is coming in for uh, that tournament. Uh, like you mentioned before, the South Express team from Florida is going to be there. Uh, a lot of Texas targets just in general. Uh, Landon Keegan's going to be there. Um, I believe Reuben Owens is going to – no, Reuben Owens is going to be at the one on Sunday, uh, the championship 7-on-7 uh, seven seven tournament in Katy. Uh, it's just a lot of in-state talent, a lot of out-of-state talent. Um, I think this is one of the biggest weekends in 7-on-7. Seven seven. Uh, I'm really excited to get down there and uh, get some good content. Yeah, um, there should be a lot of good stuff coming out from this weekend. So, Nick, um, shout your Twitter account out so people know where to, to follow you. Yeah, at Nick Harris 247 uh, I'll be throwing up highlights from uh, players that I see. Um, I, I think my first game that I definitely want to hit in the morning is uh, – uh, true buzz with Caden Salter and see how he's doing in the seven on seven uh, cycle. I wasn't able to see him when uh, he was at Pylon Dallas a couple of months ago. So uh, I'm excited to see where he's at now um, after uh, after a pretty, pretty good season at uh, Cedar Hill. Um, so uh, yeah, Nick Harris, two, four, seven highlights and uh, we'll be having content up on there and uh, hopefully a lot of articles next week. Yeah, absolutely. We should have a, a pretty good group of articles. And then um, let's get right into the mailbag, Nick. Um, as always, you can get your mailbag questions to us at orange247.com. I will put out a call um, each week and you can just drop them into the thread there. And we'll get them answered. Um, our first question comes from East Texas Biggs. He says, why does Northeast Texas get so overlooked? There is so much talent uh, over here that gets overlooked by Texas. Is it because it takes uh, so much effort to find them due to logistics and travel time? OU, TCU, Baylor, and AM kill it over here. Uh, really feel like we leave a lot on the table. I would, I guess I would have to ask what you define as Northeast Texas. Um, you know, I mean, we talk about a lot about East Texas. I would say, just looking at a map here, I guess anything from Mount Pleasant to, to the Arkansas line, and that would include like Texarkana, where I think Texas has been very active. Um, you know, I know Atlanta's got some dudes. Um, in that northeast area but um, I, I guess I would need a little more clarification on that question but I think that Texas generally will, will find guys anywhere um, if they can um, 
they may just not see those guys that that other teams get as fits potential fits for their offense or, or defense and um i think it really is going to depend on i I'm interested to see who the guy in east texas is going to be i talked about this um maybe last week in the stampede that it's going to be less focused on regional recruiting but they are still going to have guys in certain regions so um although you know a lot of that is who's the guy recruiting in that area does he have enough link with the coaches to to maybe hear about prospects early and find them and and evaluate them and um you know do they have the time to do it yeah i'm with you on kind of maybe just clarifying what you mean by northeast texas because if we're talking about texarkana i think Texas has done a pretty good job in the past couple of years, not only with the, the Pleasant Grove defensive linemen, but um, uh, at Texas High, they've done a pretty good job. So, um, yeah, probably a little bit of clarification there, but I, I, I personally feel like Texas does a good job of recruiting the entire state. I'm kind of guessing Paris and stuff, that area is probably thrown in there as well. Yeah. Um, I just personally, I can't remember a player in the last couple of years coming out of that Paris area that I think Texas, you know, felt was really a fit for the program. So, again, they went to Groover, Texas last year to try to recruit uh, Jalen Conyers. Um, they are in Hallettsville this year trying to recruit Jonathan Brooks. I think that they'll find guys generally, um, you know, no matter where they are. Uh, our next question from DRT07, where does Texas currently stand with Denison running back Jadarian Price? And who is the best high school player in Texas at 3A or smaller? Uh, that's a good question. Um, with Jadarian Price, I'll start out with that. Um, I would say that that Texas is a school that Jadarian really likes. They were one of his early offers. He's talked uh, multiple times about getting back during the spring. I think for Texas, it's more of a case of they offered Jadarian really early. Some other running backs have emerged, and, and now they're looking at those running backs as well. So, um, you know, it's not that they're putting all their eggs in, in one basket. Um, it's It's kind of that they're they're really looking at a lot of the other options guys like Jadon blue um who are really starting to emerge in texas as, as big time players so i think if texas pushes for jadarian price they can be right in the race with him that's a school he he really likes and um you know really wants to be on board with uh nick do you have anything on jadarian price before we move on to the best question on three on three a and under uh no yeah i consider you the expert on jadarian price but i can definitely tackle this three a question <laughs> Okay, why don't you lead off with the 3A question then? Yeah, uh, Baron Morton, quarterback from Eastland. He's going to be the next Texas Tech gunslinger, great gunslinger, I, I, I believe, uh, here in this class of 2021. Uh, committed to Tech uh, during the season last year. It was between them and Baylor, and he went with the uh, hometown Red Raiders. He's a, a great talent out of 3A. Uh, Cameron Valdez out of Rockdale, another 3A school uh, running back that uh, I really like. And then we both really like Travion Sneed, um, linebacker out of Mineola, uh, just really built for his age. It's it's pretty incredible. There's there's a lot of kids in uh, high school football that definitely make us feel like kids, um, and Travion Sneed's one of those guys. And I, I really like this question because we had you know Jalen Conyers last year coming out of, I believe, a 2A school uh, and with a t- top 100 uh, nationally talent like that. Uh, it, it's rare to see that. So I like to see these small schools get in with these big-time prospects and see how they develop at the next level and just kind of keep an eye on them. Love the Baron Morton question, um, or answer, I'm sorry. Really good quarterback. I think Texas actually really liked Baron Morton last year when they were looking at quarterbacks. I know Tim Beck was was a big fan of his, and then Cameron Valdez absolutely is is a big production guy at, at Rockdale. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's any other guys in state that really jump out to me. Um, and every time I think of one, I think they're above 3A, so... Uh, I think, um, well, you know what? I would say uh, Hallettsville is is 
3A, I think. So I would probably throw Jonathan Brooks in there as well. Um, all right, our next question. Um, this is a good one. Uh, what is your process for staying in touch with recruits? Do you keep an Excel doc? Uh, this is from Bear90. Do you keep an Excel doc with relevant players? Track last time talk to try to reach out once a week uh, to check in and get a read. I know many of the kids are probably going to respond half the time, but you've got to have some system to keep it all straight and plugged in with the relevant recruits to keep guys slipping from the radar. So my... New Year's resolution in 2020 is to be more organized um, because I have nothing like that in place. It's more of just a, for some reason, I can kind of keep them all in my head. Um, and when I feel like I need to reach out to a guy, I will. Um, now, a lot of times I'm texting or I'm, I'm reaching out over DM. So we have like a history of messages. I could see last time we talked and um, what was said. Uh, but yeah, there are there are going to be some some measures taken this year to put a few more organizational things in place to uh, to kind of keep up with things. But um, you know, Nick and I just to give you a peek into the background of how we plan content. You know, a lot of weeks I'm just saying, hey Nick, why don't you check in with these guys? You know, we'll go down the offer list or, or something and say check in with these guys or. Or, um, you know, obviously, if you're going to be at an event, you're going to run into guys and see them. You know, it seems like for, for most, like the main targets, I just, I by, by happenstance, I just seem to keep in contact with them at least once a week, you know, just checking in with them on something. And typically on the bigger recruits, there's always a reason we have to reach out like almost every week or every other week um, with guys like, you know, Quay Davis or uh, Landon Jackson. Like we're, we're either seeing them at events or camps or uh uh, something like that. Um, but as far as like an Excel doc, I definitely not. <laughs> Maybe that is something we could uh, uh, implement this year. Um, but it, it really just depends on the kid, on uh, how, how much you reach out to him. You know, um, how much his tech is involved with the kid may, you know, affect how much we reach out to him. Uh, and then there's a couple kids that like, we honestly just have a cool relationship. And I, I had a recruit send me a tweet the other day. I was like, this is weird, <laughs> but cool, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it really just depends on the kid. That's the other thing is if you get a good enough relationship with them, um, they reach out to you more times than anything. Yeah. So that kind of keeps you in contact all the time. And especially during the spring, like for most of these kids, we're going to see them. They're going to see us every week, basically until June, um, whether it be Under Armour camps or seven on seven or spring football, stuff like that. They're going to be, you know, the way we hit the road. And that's why, you know, not to soapbox this too bad, but that's why we believe in getting out so much and seeing kids live is because if you're in their face constantly, they have no, you know, choice but to really like recognize you as one of the the guys covering their recruitment. And so it's, you know, it's a lot easier for them to reach out and talk to you. Um, our next question from Buck6920 says, assuming the Brockermeyer brothers go elsewhere with uh, Savion Bird not looking so great, and Bryce Foster being 50-50 at best, can you give me three to four other offensive linemen who are realistic options in the second tier Texas could look at? And could you specifically address how much of a drop-off those players are the one, uh, are those players from the ones mentioned above? I think if we're talking about guys, I mean, Matthew Wyckoff, I, I would say, is probably not on that same tier as the other guys, but has a Texas offer. Um, certainly a guy that, that I think just cut a top seven, Texas was in it. So... Certainly, a guy that Texas is is you know evaluating and really likes in that next level. Um, you know, outside of those guys, I think there are some guys who are going to kind of pop up later in the spring. I think you can also look out of state, like Bram Walden from Saguaro is is pretty high on Texas, from what I've heard. Uh, Jonah Miller from South Point Catholic and in, in Tucson, 
also pretty high. So those are guys they think they can push for and have realistic uh, chances with if they can get them on campus. Um, and then, you know, there's some guys I think that are going to pop up during the spring. Yeah, I like the Wyckoff pick. And maybe another guy in the first tier that I, I believe a lot of Texas fans forget about is Ruben Fathery out of uh, Richmond Foster. Uh, another pretty good offensive lineman that's, I think in any other class, he'd be a top three offensive lineman in, in, uh, in the state. Uh, it's just a really stacked year for offensive linemen in the state of Texas. So I believe he hovers around fourth or fifth in the state right now. Um, Eric Cade out of Broswell is another kid I like. And uh, Jack Tucker out of Argyle, it's just another kid I like in the second tier. Um, Jack Tucker's kind of trending more towards Baylor. He doesn't have a Texas offer. Uh, but there's just a lot of talent top to bottom for offensive linemen uh, in state in Texas. I uh, I know you'd probably be more um, knowledgeable with the kids out of state, with the kids in Arizona. Uh, but the, as far as kids in Texas, I like those three. Uh, next question from KRS Horns 13. Do you think the staff is slow playing too many guys in the 2021 class? And how do you feel about their approach so far? So I kind of want to use this question as a way to talk about some of the challenges Texas faces in state from perception standpoint. Um I hear all the time, how can Texas wait to offer this kid? How can Texas wait to offer this kid? Alabama's offered them. LSU's offered them. Um, you know, those schools can offer a bunch of kids and not necessarily have to take them um, and not pay the penalty for it because, A, they're out of state, and, B, they're perennial winning programs. So, um, for instance, uh, there is a, uh, a kid that Texas offered um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I'll just add Andrew Makuba from, from Austin LBJ. Um, I heard from certain people around him, it's insane that Texas waited this long to offer. He's an Austin kid, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and this is going to hurt them. And literally the next day, Oklahoma offered him and no such talk about Oklahoma. So Texas, it, despite the fact that Oklahoma basically recruits this region as hard as anybody, I would definitely consider them a local team um, as far as recruiting. Texas is the one that generally pays the price for that for that sort of thing. Um, so when you say slow playing, uh, understand that they have to they have to be more considerate with in-state offers because they can't turn a kid down if he wants to commit. Um, they can't have that perception hit. They certainly can't when they're performing at the level they are now. You saw LSU win a national championship last year and dropped several kids from their class, including one from Baton Rouge. You may be able to get away with that when you're winning a national championship, although I still feel like LSU is going to pay a price for that. But um, Texas just can't right now. I think for me, they've been more aggressive than I expected them to be early. Um, and, and I kind of like the plan of attack right now. There are some guys that for sure I, I that I personally feel should have an offer by now, but that's not it's not up to me. Um, and I think for the most part, they're doing a strong job. Yeah, I agree. I think I think their approach so far has been pretty solid. And with these visits that they're churning out in these next few weeks and kind of their approach of not necessarily having a junior day, but just having consecutive weekends where they bring in a ton of recruits, I think that's going to be an interesting uh, approach that I think a lot of schools are not taking. Uh, so they're still taking, uh, you know, interesting approaches and uh, unique ways to try to get kids on campus and uh, stay in contact with kids. And uh, I, I like their approach so far in the 21 class. Yep. All right. Our next question from OB James 23 says any update from Quay himself on his recruitment? Um, look, I mean, if I give you I, I don't mean to say this in a way that makes me sound like a jerk, but if I give you an update from on Quay, it comes from Quay. Uh, he and I are pretty close. So um, here's the update. I've talked about it in a couple of different settings. That recruitment is extremely fluid right now. Um, there are a lot of ins and outs that I can't get into right now. Um, 
I think Texas would like to have Quay Davis in their class, but I think that they um, they really want to make sure Quay is ready to kind of shut things down and and just be a commit at this point. And um, it seems like Quay still wants to take some visits right now. And um, I think that there's a lot of you know there's some there's some other guys Texas is evaluating. So um, just trust me when I say it's it's a very fluid thing right now, and it could change day in and day out. You know the t- the temperature of it. Nick, do you want anything to add there? Uh, I mean, I'm going to see Quay Davis this weekend, so you know I'll, I'll chop it up with him. Uh, I'm not as close to Quay as you are, of course, but um, uh, we, we might be able to get some content on that out next week and get you all an update there. All right, our next question comes to us from uh, Hook'em Bloodstein. It says, is there uh, one, if there was one piece of advice to help Texas improve in recruiting besides winning games, what would it be? Um, to me right now... It's a very simple piece of advice. Um, Texas has to outwork everybody. They really do. Um, They're not going to have the benefit of selling games. They're going to have to really just be those guys who are um, outworking everybody on the recruiting trail, uh, getting kids on campus as as much as possible. They can't take a passive stance to that. Um, And and maximizing every opportunity they have when they have a recruit on campus. Um, It's just that simple. There's no magic solution for me. It's just I think that they're going to have to outwork some people and, um, you know, hope that they can hold some kids off until the fall. Yeah, I agree. It's just just building relationships. But I think that's something every program could get better at because every program has kids that they miss out on every year. So um, just building relationships, getting these kids on campus and – maybe prioritizing a few in-state targets. Uh, I, I know we saw last year with a couple of guys that Texas didn't get on early and then it ended up biting them in the end. Um, but I, I think they're doing a better job of correcting that in the 21 class so far. So I, I guess just building relationships, getting these in-state kids on campus, and uh, just kind of going from there. Our right, next question from Hook'em Brad. He says, Mike, can you give us uh, 521 kids that you feel most confident about landing at Texas? Um if I had to pick, and I hate doing this, as you guys know, but um, if I had to pick, I would say I, I like where Texas stands with Jonathan Brooks, the running back from Hallettsville. And I really like where they stand with LJ Johnson, though I don't think they're a clear leader. I think that they're definitely in that that very top group and, and have some of the things he wants. Um, outside of those two guys, I would say... Terrence Cooks, the linebacker from Shadow Creek, I've talked uh, multiple times about how I like where where things are trending with him. Um, Landon King, the tight end from Atascacita. And let's see, if I had to pick one more guy. Mm. Probably Nequobia. Yeah, Isaiah Nequobia would probably be my other guy. Um, The safety from Skyline. I like where where Texas stands with him, you know, despite the fact that they're – you know, they're battling SMU pretty hard for him right now. Nick, anybody different you want to add to that list? I think Ishmael Ibrahim is another kid that is pretty high on Texas that we could see. Um, yeah, maybe yep. land at Texas in, a, in, in the next few months. Uh, it's another kid I like out of the Dallas area for sure. Um, but I had a list of kids here. Yeah, and you got all of them. Landon King, Terrence Cooks, LJ Johnson. Uh, those are all kids that um, I, I think are really trending towards Texas in a pretty good way. All right, next question from Matt070 says, how familiar are you with Jabril Cox, and is there a realistic chance he transfers to Texas? Uh, So Jabril Cox is a graduate transfer linebacker from North Dakota State who is like the biggest guy on the grad transfer market right now. I know that Texas would love to have him. They've reached out to gauge interest. Here are the things that are standing in their way. Um, 
Jabril Cox played for Chris Kleiman when he was at North Dakota State. He is now at Kansas State. Uh, so I assume if Kansas State wants a linebacker, they've got an inside leg. Not only that, uh, I believe Jabril Cox is from Kansas City. So not only would he be able to go play for his old coach, he'd be able to go back close to home. I think those are two big obstacles. But Texas is definitely um, would be very interested if they can get him on campus for a visit. Yeah, that'd be a big time land in the portal for sure. Uh, next question from Horny Bob. Um, he says, we often hear about Texas getting in on a recruitment late, and I was hoping you could explain. Are all teams late on some? How much of a factor um, is our assessment of a kid's potential, and why is it different from other schools? I know this year some of it can be blamed on staff changes, but I don't buy it. Some of these kids have been offered well before uh, the hints of staff changes. Do you see us being more early often with the new staff? Um, so this is kind of goes into what I just talked about, but um, – Texas has to be – they can't be as early on guys in state unless they feel really, really strong about their evaluation of them, which is why, you know, you see them go early on a guy like Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks has three or four offers right now, but Texas is very much recruiting him because they trust their their evaluation. Same thing with, uh, like, uh, with Juan Davis when they got his commitment. So, you know, if they trust those evaluations, they'll go early on them. But I think a lot of it is um, there is a new staff – a lot of these guys aren't from this area. So like Chris Ash, for instance, if he wants to offer a safety and he wants to see him in person before he does it, chances are he hasn't seen that kid because he hasn't recruited this area uh, for a while. So I think that a lot of the, a lot of these guys are waiting maybe for spring to see some guys on the field. But um, for the, for the most part, um, you know, I think Texas has to be a little more choosy. And I think in the past they have, there has been a little bit of a, I don't want to say arrogance, but maybe just like a reluctance to be the first one through the door on a kid. And um, I think they've kind of changed that that a little bit this year under the new staff. Yeah, and I like the question of are all teams late on some. I think that's really important to remember when following recruiting. When you have humans in this business, mistakes are going to be made, and you're going to miss on some, and you're going to be late on some. Um, and I, I think Texas gets a, a lot of uh, a lot of hell for it, but um, <laughs> especially in this last cycle. But uh, again, I, I mentioned it earlier that I think they're doing a better job this year, of, you know, uh, hitting on the in-state targets right now. Uh, but I, I think it's important to remember that all teams are late on some for sure. Yeah, we only remember the losses or the kids they were laid on. Exactly. And like in, tw- in 2018, Texas destroyed recruiting in this state. They got everybody they wanted, and it wasn't a thing. You know, it just depends on the perception that year. And, you know, coming off the Rose Bowl, everything was all good in 2019. And then, you know, now things are a little bit more down and their staff changes. So the perception is bad. So things kind of change that way. Basically, winning, winning in relationships plays big as in recruiting. Texas has to build relationships now with new coaches and they don't, you know, they're not going to have the chance to actually quote unquote win until, until the fall. Um, our next question from Spurs, uh, J row three says, where would you rank Bijan Robinson on, uh, the all time backs of, of players you viewed or covered in high school? Is he better than, uh, Trey Sanders or JK Dobbins? So I never saw JK Dobbins on the field. I saw him in camps. Uh, I mean, he was, he was electric. I would put Bijan Robinson right up there with J.K. Dobbins. Um, I saw. I never saw Trey Sanders in person. Um, I'm trying to think of guys I've seen throughout the years. I like. I went to high school with Tyson Thompson, who was uh, in my day back in my day, Nick. Um, ba- <laughs> basically, when you were barely born, Tyson Thompson was. Uh, what year were you born, Nick? Two thousand. <laughs> so Tyson Thompson was class of two thousand. Um, 
he was he graduated the year you were born. But he was, to me, one of the most electric players I've ever seen at the high school level. He ran for 525 yards in a game against L.D. Bell um, and, and at the time set the single-game rushing record. He is one of the best I've ever seen. He, unfortunately, had some off-the-field stuff derail his progress. Um, uh, this is going to be a, an answer that's panned by many, and I don't know that I would put him on the level of Bijan. <laughs> but Rex, Rex Burkhead's one of the finest high school football players I've ever seen in my life. Um, and to me, in high school, was as electric as Bijan was on the field. I, I would put Bijan up there um, with Dobbins. I can't think... Um, you know, I, I've often said when people have asked me, I still... As much as I like Bijan and I think he's a great fit and I think the overall package is better, the talent of Zach Evans is almost unparalleled to anybody I've ever seen. Um, so I, I guess I would, if you're just asking me from a pure talent standpoint, I would rank Zach Evans slightly higher. But um, I think Bijan is is in that high. He's in an elite class of his own, pretty much. Yeah, and I never saw Trey Sanders or J.K. Dobbins in person. It was a little bit before I started getting into recruiting full-time, but just some running backs that I've seen throughout the years that I just loved. Uh, Jonathan Gray was just amazing at Alito. Uh, and then Traylon Sheed, back when I was living in East Texas, he was he was the guy that was supposed to make it out of Cayuga, uh, and he was so fun to watch. Um that was God. I, I'm trying to remember how much he ran for his senior year, but it was just it was a disrespectful amount of yards. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. 2,695 yards his senior year, 39 touchdowns. Uh, that's still one of the best running backs I've seen in person. Oh yeah, he was supposed to be the future at Texas. Um, yeah. <laughs> from Horn KC, he says uh, it seems like development or lack of has been the biggest way teams negatively recruit against Texas, um, even if it's unfair to this current staff. Who are some players recently drafted high that these new coaches have been a part of developing so they can give recruits, coaches, families, examples to counter this? Um, That's a good question. I think, you know, Ash will be able to kind of point back to his guys at, at Ohio State. I would not mention Rutgers at all if I was Ash or Valai. Um, it's just not going to – regardless of people not understanding the situation, um, I, don't, I just don't think it's going to – uh, to really go well. Um, I think that uh, Coleman Hutzler can point to their overall, like South Carolina has been a pretty strong uh, recru- uh, developing program over the last couple of years. They can kind of point to that. Andre Coleman can go way back and talk about the Jordy Nelsons of the world and the um, the other white walk-on receivers at Kansas State who have made their names um, that he kind of developed there. But it's going to be tough. I mean, I think Mike Yersich is probably – going to be the guy who has the best case to just say, hey, uh, you know, Justin Fields and uh, the quarterbacks he had at Oklahoma State. I think Jay Bolware, even though he doesn't coach running backs, can talk about the running backs he had at at Oklahoma. But um, it's going to be tough. I don't think that's going to be a huge talking point for them right now. Yeah, I think it'll. I think after we see Devin Duvernay get drafted pretty high in this upcoming draft, I think that'll help them a bit. He had a really good combine, and he's trending upwards right now. So uh, that could be a guy that um, they point they point towards on uh, the offensive side of the ball. Okay, and our last question comes from Charles Daniels. He says, after the NFL Combine, there was a lot of talk about padded 40 times in high school football recruiting. Do you have any stories of uh, knowing about a padded 40 time? Is there any recruit you know currently padding their 40 time? Um, And then his number two question was, NFL's uh, TV's Rich Eisen ran a 598 in the 40 uh, for charity. Could either of you, with the six months of preparation, beat that time? Um, 
So question one, answer, just about every kid pads their 40. Um, and it, it's a reason I asked. There's so many. That's why we were all laughing on Twitter about it, uh, about pad 40 times. I can't tell you how many times I'm told a kid runs a 4-3 or a 4-4. And then you look at the combine, and a small percentage of them can go sub 4-4. That's a ridiculous number. Um, and th- these are men who have been four years in a, in a college strength program and are, are really functioning at their best. There are kids in high school who can run in the four fours. Absolutely. They are very few and far between. That's why I asked for track times. Um, because if you tell me, I, for instance, this, this spring I had a guy tell me his kid ran four, three. And I said, well, does he run track? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, what's he run? The hundred. He gave me, he gave me his name. I looked him up online and he had like a 12, eight, six hundred time, which does not at all transfer to four, three. So, um, <laughs> You know, I think that that people throw those things around, not understanding that they're getting to be a lot more verifiable now, and we can find them, and we will usually find the liars um, in that thing. As for the second one, five nine eight and the forty yard dash, I don't even think with six months I could do it. Um, as much as it's funny to watch Rich Eisen run, I think it's uh, I think it's hilarious that people think that they could just roll out of bed. Uh, I used to when I was in high school, if I could if I could break five i was happy um (laughs) now i'm not sure i could break six yeah this is the second time that charles has asked a question that i've literally had a conversation with about this morning about the uh, padded 40 times uh just talking with one of my recruiting friends and there's a kid that we found that has 424 in his bio and i'm seeing him this weekend and i'm just gonna walk up to him and and go hey run a 40 i'm gonna time you right now and see what it is (laughs) hey it's it's because the 424 at the high school level is insane so uh, i i can't wait to meet that kid this weekend but yeah that's something we kind of see uh pretty regularly um but as far as my 40 time i could run a 5-2 right now like roll out of bed i'm good i'm ready to go well you're a young guy I'm 35. It's a lot <laughs> tougher. Like I, I, I've never been a, a twitchy guy. Like a, you might be able to. You might be all right, but I, I can't personally. Um, all right, that's going to do it for our questions. Uh, we appreciate everybody for for sending them in. Nick, I appreciate you sitting in with me this week um, and every week. Uh, I hope you're hope you guys are enjoying the the new format of kind of two shows and and getting to know Nick a little bit. He's going to have a ton of great stuff this weekend from from Houston. So. Uh, please follow him at Nick Harris two four seven. Nick, anything you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, nothing really. Just excited to get to these seven on seven tournaments this weekend and get y'all some solid content. All right. Um, as always, the uh, you can find the state of recruiting on any pl- uh, podcast platform of your choice: Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those. Um, we have it up there. We'll have it normally two times a week, but Bobby was out this week, so we kind of jam-packed this episode. Um, We appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate you for submitting questions. Please go rate, subscribe, review, do all those good things for us. Uh, You know, it would really be a a huge help to us. Um, And we will talk to you next week. this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.